I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, so I'm really excited to do this episode because this has been a shit weekend. Yes, it has. <laughs> like, yes, it has. And, and, you know, I really am excited to just talk about books and, like, mm-hmm. talk with you and talk about books because maybe, you know, learning about other places and things and thinking and yeah. art can actually help, you know, people become more empathetic and not crazy assholes uh so yeah whether this is nice. an escape for you or whether this is a tool for you to, to read you know about think you. about other people yeah for like thinking about other people or just thinking about other experiences than wh- whatever yours is um we just hope that you get as much enrichment out of this as we do especially this week because i did this i'm angry Audra, I'm angry. Yeah, did we spent an hour. We, we were supposed to be recording this an hour ago, and we've just spent an hour just like railing against the machines. So that was good. We got it out of our system, and <laughs> I'm sure it'll uh, really, sneak through a little bit in this conversation too. But hopefully not too much. How can it not? Yeah, Sadie is quite sassy this evening, oh so it, it's good. And congratulations, we have a new member of the Lit and Libations family. Sadie, who's your new oh gosh. little? Acquisition. So if anybody hears any barking in the background, I adopted a puppy. Aww. Her name she's is so cute. She's so cute. She is um, a rescue. She's six months old. She's a shepherd retriever mix. And she was born in Alabama. So she's a Bama girl. And um, she is just the best. I named her Buffy. Um, after Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which if you know me is my favorite show of all time. And, um, she's just so precious. She's so great. And she is officially part of the Lit and Libation clan. And, um, I hope everyone, I'll have to post a picture of her on our Instagram or something so everybody can formally meet Buffy. She's the best. Yeah. Adorable. Super cute. You need to put a picture of her up on, on, on the Instagram. Okay. I will. Put put one up. Um, Okay. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this book. Uh, we're talking parts, books one and two mm-hmm. of Narcopolis by Jeet Thayil. Um, So I'm excited to hear what you think about it and we'll get into it. But before we do that, why don't you let everybody know what our next book is going yes. to be so they can go pick up a copy. So our next book, um, we decided to, you know, we like to to keep the escapism here, but we also think it's always good to talk about very timely conversations in books. So we decided to have our next pick be The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Um, you might recognize that author if you haven't already heard of The Mothers. She also got a big, um, a lot of attention for her book, The Vanishing Half, which came out in... I, I loved that book. It's so good. That was really good. It, it came out in 2020, I think. And this yeah. one, though, The Mothers, came out in 2016. So this was her debut novel, um, and it's a little bit different. So the book is about Nadia, a young woman who leaves her hometown 
um, after the suicide of her mother um, and then is forced to go back to her hometown to attend to a family emergency. Um, this book deals really with her um, kind of grappling with the aftermath of getting an abortion at 17 years old and everything that happens after that. And I'm really excited to talk about this book because Britt Bennett A is just a really great author. I really loved The Vanishing Half and what she did there. And then I also just think that it's important, um, especially when politically conversations like this are happening around in our country, I think it's as important as ever to read stories about um, people going through these kinds of situations and just kind of the nuanced and uh, careful consideration, I think, that goes into it. So even though this is a fictional book, um, I think fiction is always really great at um, showing the truth and yes. the reality of, yes, of it is. everyone's kind of situation. So I'm really, really excited yes. to talk about this. And I think especially if you have questions or, um, you know, don't really maybe understand like where someone might be coming from in regards to abortion, um, I think it's really important to read about these experiences. So I hope that everybody picks up a copy and that will be our next book. I'm not sure if we'll need to do one or two episodes with that one, but we'll let everybody know before we post the episode. Yeah. And I'm excited about this book because I think it also, just from what I've looked at so far, it really reflects, you know, just how disproportionately like women of color yeah. are affected yes. by this issue. Like, uh, you know, as white women, we still have a lot of privilege that they don't never have. And I think this book points that out as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to read it. I mean, I'm not excited that this has any relevance really with right. anything, right. <laughs> but it does. So, uh, yeah, it'll be good. Um, okay. So yes, go ahead and go pick up a copy from your local bookstore, bookshop.org, um, and get going on that. So we'll be discussing books one and two of Narcopolis this episode, yes. and then we will be finishing up the novel the next episode, and then we'll move on to to mothers. What are you drinking? It looks delicious. So I, I'm sure it has a name and I don't know what it is, but it's two parts limoncello, mm -hmm. one part vodka, and then tonic water. And then I threw some uh, blackberries in it. It looks and amazing. It's, it's very refreshing. It looks so good. I was actually inspired by uh, one of our listeners, Charlene. She's the one who won our last giveaway. She posted something of like making this drink or sent me a picture, I think, on Instagram. And I was like, that looks delicious. And then she told me what she did. And so I kind of did a little of my own. Was, she, I don't think she did the vodka. I think she did Prosecco. Well, I love it. I think that looks amazing. Looks really good. Very refreshing. Yeah. And I love blackberries and lemon. Me too. Together, so. Yeah. And like, there's something aesthetically nice mm -hmm. about the blackberries and the lemon. Like, yeah, it's very, it, yeah, it's pretty. Well, good for you. I'm boring this week again. I just, it's really fine. I'm carrying us. I feel like I carried us last episode um, too. If I, if I don't remember for a few episodes, if we're being honest. Uh, I, yeah, I've been, I've been stepping up my drink game and you've been like, I mean, you used to be getting these like espresso martinis and like, you always had a fancy, you're not even fancy glasses lately. No, you're drinking out I of a, a hipster I'm drinking, in your like, yeah, in my mason jar, I'm drinking, you're drinking my, out of a mason jar. Look at this. <laughs> no, it's like multiple levels. Okay. I'm drinking my oh, boxed wine out of oh. my mason jar. 
I fine. mean, I am carrying all the weight. We did not show up to the same party. No, we did not. But I want to party with you regardless. That's okay. We'll mix our parties and okay. it'll be even better. All right. So well, I, the good okay. news is we okay. have fun together no matter what. So <laughs> no matter how not like, judging me too lazy your drink is. <laughs> Just a little. A little judgment's good. Um, okay. So, Narcopolis. Uh, what, what did you think about it? I'm so, okay. So I am going along with the pod in the sense that I'm not spoiling myself. So I have read parts one and two books, one and two, but I will say that I, and I've read the whole thing. Yes. As preached. Um, I have to say, I'm like kind of overwhelmed by this book in the sense that it is not like anything I've ever read. I've never read a story like this. I've never read about characters like this ever. So have you, have you, have you ever read any Dennis Johnson? No. Have you ever read any William Burroughs? No. Okay. That's that. That's part like this is very much, I mean, it's its own unique. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, but it is very much in that ethos Mm -hmm. of that kind of like, I don't know if there's like, I'm sure there's a specific term of it, but it's almost like this drug literature. Yeah. Like, like, and that's like a very small group because it's like, to be honest, there's, I feel like if you really have to, if you can really write about this life, especially when it comes to like drug addiction, I feel like you would have had to like genuinely lived it, but in living it, it seems almost impossible that you would be able to like put together, like take the dedication or to have the, even if you're not out of it, like plenty of writers, I don't, I've did a little bit of research on Jeet Thayil, but I know plenty of writers, you know, like William S. Burroughs, like they never really were not like in their addiction. There'd be just like these brief periods where they were able to put out the, this artwork, uh, somehow, you know, getting that kind of like time and discipline that it takes. Um, but that's kind of rare. I feel like usually there, it's not real. Like what was that author? Do you remember he got, there was all that, um, press because he went on Oprah. He wrote like a book about, it was like a memoir about his stay in a rehab facility and his life as an addict. And he went on Oprah and talked about it and everything. And then it came, it found out that like, he didn't, he had just falsified a lot of things or like, wasn't a hundred percent truthful. And like Oprah was very upset and made him like, then he like had to go on her show and apologize to her like no. publicly into the public. What was this? I'll have to look it up when you're talking in a minute, but, um, okay. so like then it's not genuine, right? Like they're not, so it's just this interesting, I think sub genre of literature where it's like you genuinely believe these experiences because they lived it, but then somehow they were able to like write this, like a beautiful, novel that's very affecting and so like that's I really was into that for a long time in college and like that kind like that whole little group and then like the beats and all that so this is pretty familiar to me and I I really enjoy these novels I get like sucked into them yeah this book like getting sucked into it is exactly what I would call it because it's very immersive but also I think unexpected in like the way that things are described. Like I find it very interesting that not a lot of attention is actually placed on like descriptions of spaces and like areas. But you get the but vibe, you get right? The vibe. Like you don't even need it. You can like feel it. Like yes. you 
like you, I mean, really you, uh, for me, like you can feel like the heat and smell the stench and like smell the salt water and like almost see this kind of hazy. Yes. Like air, like you, it is. Yeah. Like I don't need to know. It's really trippy. And he's, I mean, he's a musician, he's a poet. And like, I think all that comes through in his prose and like, yeah, it was, I think, I think it was really, really powerful in that way. And I just think I love getting sucked into those. Yeah. The descriptions were incredible. I liked that. Um, they weren't overly done when it comes to the setting, um, because the setting really doesn't matter. I think as much as like what's going on in the setting, I think it does matter that it's happening in Bombay in India, which is now Mumbai or no, it's, is it? Yes. It's Bombay, which is now called Mumbai. Um, I am not saying that that doesn't matter, but like the specifics, I guess, don't matter of like, I don't know. Sometimes you read books that are just so vivid in, in a really good way. Um, about what things look like in a room. Does that make sense? Or like what a street is like to the point that you can actually picture it. But this, you can picture it without needing those descriptions. Like I feel like the most specific descriptions we get sometimes are like clothing that people wear um, of like what their saris are look like or something, you know, like and yeah. how that like yes. affects. Dim- dimple, yes. like dimple specifically, there's lots of it. I loved dimple. I love like, dimple. I want to protect dimple with like my whole soul and body. Right. Like I just, okay. Can, this is actually one of the best things I want to talk about with this book. So with my job, we deal with, the crisis of opioid abuse every day. We see it every day. And it's, I am really happy that I work for an office where we like are not interested in prosecuting people who are addicts, you know, when their only crime is being addicted, you know? Right. Um, We're not interested in that. But with that, there is also difficulty because there are some people, I, I had a, a co-worker who said something the other day that she is sometimes very conflicted with this because she will get people who, you know, have to come in for arraignment all for her just to dismiss it. And she knows that she's either going to see that person again next week or she's not going to see them again ever because they will die. Like some of them do die, mm-hmm. they overdose. And it's a very, she's very conflicted by it because at the, like it says as um, much as she knows prosecuting them isn't doing anything to help them. She doesn't feel like just like saying good luck, goodbye is helping them either. And luckily, uh, well, duh. well, duh. <laughs> so like, obviously, so like our county has done a lot in um, like doing harm reduction. We have like vans that go around and, provide sterile needles that provide testing so people can come get their drugs actually tested to make sure that they're not laced with stuff that can kill them um, faster than the actual drug that they're taking. So like fentanyl is like laced in Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And so like we have vans that go around to try to make consumption sites safe, give people a place that they can consume safely um, without worrying that they will be left to die 
And this book, anyway, the, with all that and like seeing all of that and seeing the way that it kind of like drug abuse, how that factors into like the world of crime and law and justice. I loved reading this because this book is about drug abusers and addicts who are the most like lovable. I just love them. I just love them. Like, it's just so not judgmental about it, which is something that I really liked it. Well, like these are, he, he, yeah, it makes sense. Cause he's an addict, right? Like, so like and, this author, well, like this is obvious his life. Well, and because it's told so from, real, like it's so genuine. Yeah. It's so authentic. It's so genuine. And it's so just like evocative. So it, it puts mm-hmm. you, it's like, it puts you in that place and that's easier to connect with people. Like if you can like, you know, well, and it's a realistic like way of like what people in those places sometimes are like, you know, like I feel like, especially in the United States, um, thanks to, you know, Reagan and Bush and now all those lovely people, like I feel like the war on drugs and the way that drugs are talked about in this country um, is, I mean, th- I'm not saying that what's happening in this book isn't scary because it, it is, it would be scary to be there, I think. But I think that it's not the people that are scary in this book, not all of them anyway, but like, no, but like, I think it's a we're, scary situation. Like they're right. live, like it's, and I, and I love how they talk about the change. So when the novel starts, it's opium, mm-hmm. you know, we're at an opium den in, in the, like the seventies. Yes. Yeah. In the seventies. Yeah. And, and it talks about, I mean, I, I love how it goes kind of just in and out of these like tales of the different mm-hmm. characters too. We can talk about that later, but like, and then it gets to the point where it's talking about now this change that's coming like over time. Mm-hmm. And now it's not these opium dens, it's heroin. Right. And, and it talks about like the different countries getting this primo heroin and here's the stuff we're getting. And it's like the shit that they don't want. So then it's also like just about that kind of import of it and kind of all this like, you know, global well, effect. No, it's so true. And, well, and like how, from, and from what, a real perspective of like how it affects them and them being aware of it. And it's like, well, this is, this is what it is now. Well, in like, what an <laughs> industry too, right? Like, so, so like the fact that, I mean, this is very common with like drugs here in the United States. Certain drugs are funneled to certain communities, you know? And um, on top of that, like, I think that um, they're least, like the, the fact that we have to like, people are worried and could die because their drugs that they think that they're getting are contaminated with other things that could really kill them like at an instant, not just because they overused it, but because like they had any of it, you know, it's, I mean, and and then these people like aren't getting, those people aren't getting prosecuted. I think that's like, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to separate this conversation from my work a little bit, but like, it is interesting to think about, um, the way that like that universe of dealing and like where certain drugs are getting to certain places and then what those drugs are like made of and how those drugs can sound like the quality and how big of a difference that makes. And then how that affects the people who are consuming the drugs. Like it's such a ladder. It's such a rung of like a world. It's such a dark world that is happening 
that people well, and it's ridiculous because it's it's the it's like the government being like, okay, we caused this because we did, and now we're gonna punish you for doing like what there's no way that you couldn't have done because we did this to you and we're not going to help you now that we realize like this is bad. Yeah. We're going to punish you for being a victim of it. Right. Like, right. It's insane. And then, and then like not punishing the people who are dealing drugs that are laced or lacing the drugs or the ones that are profiting off of it. I mean, I know that there's been some lawsuits and there's been some, you know, awards, but like, the they're still sponsoring companies like that are still sponsoring like those who run our government. So it's never really going to. Okay. Anyway, we are totally riled up. We really should get back to the book. We're really like not. It's hard. It's hard not to let this come in. Like, but I think we usually do a pretty good job. And so just be gracious with us. It's going to be hard to, but I really do want to like talk about the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, anyway, I just, I really loved how the characters, like, I didn't feel like they were really demonized at all. Although I will say that there are some pretty harrowing um, scenes. So, like, Dimple, my favorite character of the book thus far. So great, um, so great. Dimple is a eunuch um, who was castrated at the age of, like, At, like, seven years old seven by years priests. Old. Yeah, by priests, by sold, priests sold to a like a a brothel, and then um, they did it. The reasoning was that they did it younger so that she would become a woman. So that's another interesting thing is that um, she is referred to as a she because of her castration mm-hmm. and the fact that she's been castrated since such a young age. Um, but so anyway, so Dimple is a prostitute and an addict. And there, I mean, like, there, this book, like, is interesting in the sense that I, like, haven't hated or been, like, really disgusted with any of the characters yet, but I'm disgusted by, like, disgusted's a harsh word, but I'm, like, concerned by the environment that some people are in. Like, I really feel for Dimple. Like, I just, like, I, some of the situations that she goes through are just... Like not, yeah. They're awful. I mean, they're just awful. And there's, and it's not. This is not. Just doesn't come off as an exaggerated. Like no. this all sounds so. It is it's, so very authentic and real, and like everything's I, so matter of a fact too. Like when there are like these scenes of her in the brothel, brothel being used, and like there were like a couple of them that were particularly. Um, you could sense being uncomfortable I would say Um, oh yeah there it is it is a very I mean it's not like oh everything is rain I mean it's it's a very hard life and like you can tell like how hard it is for for her and like for all these characters like it's not to say that it justifies everything but you it is a hard hard life like it's insane well, and what it's, people it's have one to go she through. never asked for you know it's like this no, is just exactly what she's in and these are the cards that she's been dealt yeah like, yeah. and they're awful. And then, like, there's nothing to help her out of it, really. No. And then, like, but well, and then going with that, with Dimple, too, is, like, because of her castration, she um, is basically, like, sentenced to, like, a life of perpetual chronic pain. Um, because not only was the process painful when it happened to her, 
but like she talks about like pain down there afterwards and it's a big factor that led to her becoming an addict of opium and opium like was the only thing that could kind of like take the pressure off a little bit of her pain and then that just like perpetuates a problem um it just kind of keeps building and building into a further addiction and it's oh it's just it's it it, yeah this book is just really interesting because it is presented in such a matter of a fact way that there's not explicit like sorrow necessarily but you can feel like like it, it like there's just no other option it's just is what it is yeah no it's a really powerful i loved how like and you got that sense about all the characters, even the ones, I mean, Dimple is the most likable really. Although yeah. I really liked Mr. Lee too. Mm-hmm. Like I loved the, like, I love the, the stories within the stories. I do think there was like the, there's kind of a subplot about this guy. That's like a murderer, like almost like a serial killer mm-hmm. going around the city. They call uh, the Pother. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but, he, but there's this teeny, teeny little subplot. And like, I, I also spoil it. It really doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but, but, I, but I don't think it was, I don't think it added much, but I don't think it was like awful. Um, but I, I just loved, uh, it was like this long rambling, <laughs> rambling sounds bad. Like, I, I don't know. You, it's just like this languishing sense while someone just kind of tells you this tale. It's like this daydreamy kind of, and I love, it almost, feels like this like long long memory which makes sense because they talk you know they talk a lot about in the book um you know to honor the dead is to like talk like you want to keep talking about them saying their name over and over like keeping them alive and it's like his book I feel like is almost a way to do that with like these characters like obviously his past and like people he knows and like things that were important to him even though that's not a part of his life anymore like yeah you know it's like it's just it all felt very just like a lovely remembrance, like someone just like telling you all of these things because the narrator is interesting. It's like, we don't really hear much from the narrator. Yeah, not really at all. And like, I feel like when they do speak, I feel like, I know you said rambly wasn't necessarily the right word, but I mean, I think like the prologue, um, the prologue is like five pages, seven pages. That's one sentence. It's like one sentence long and it takes up five pages and it just really like sets the scene. Um, But you don't get a huge feel necessarily for who's talking. But like when I, but when I read this, I was like, Oh my God, like, is this going to be like what this whole book is? It's like literally just like one sentence long, just kind of rants kind of. Yeah. Like it, it kind of, I mean, it kind of is like, I think that, um, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this because it's, because it is rambly in that sense, but it just kind of covers all the pieces. I I just think it's interesting because it's talking about, um, this is like a good example of, I think, the rambliness that it gives that I felt like really set the mood. It's talking about, I'm just going to start in the middle of the sentence because, like I said, this is oh, five pages of one sentence. 
Um, I was a, a Syrian Christian, a Yakbite, if you want the subject of the subsect. So good, this good smoke, the last smoke from the last pipe on the last night of the world. The old man, whose name is Bengali, saying, ah, in that case, perhaps you can answer a question that has been troubling me. I mean, the particular way Christianity caught on in Kerala and how Kerala's Hindus, instead of adjusting themselves to Christianity, adjusted Christianity to themselves, to the old caste divisions. And this is my question. Would Jesus have approved of caste-conscious Christianity when his entire project was the removal of it? A man who fraternized with the poor, with fishermen, lepers, and prostitutes, the sick and dying women, his pathology and compulsion to espouse the lowest of the low, his message being God's unconditional love, whatever one's social standing. And what reply could I have made when he wasn't expecting one was already nodded as I watched the woman, watched a dimple, and something calmed in me in the unhurried way she made the pipe. And then it just, like, keeps going and going and going in the sense that, like, yeah. it's just, it's so fluid and natural and hazy. I think like, that's what it's kind of like, is, like, being high. I just, it's almost like I just pictured what being high was like, of, like, everything melting into each other and melting into, like, time almost melting into itself and conversations moving so fluidly that you're not sure, like, when they began. And I think that yep. that's kind of what this story was like for me, is, like, the narrator and when we move from the narrator to like more like dimple and like more of her story to Mr. Lee's it like everything just kind of flowed so it's like this wave it's like yeah it all just it just kind of like I don't know you just get this like wavy image it's like you just like weave through all these stories and how these people are connected and yeah uh, like I love, you know, I think part of why you love Mr. Lee so much, or I did, I, is yeah. his connection through Dimple. You know, yes. Dimple makes his, so Mr. Lee, you know, the, it's set mostly in a uh, opium den. Then it becomes like a place where people do heroin. Um, and that's kind of, those are kind of like the main like settings, I suppose. But then yeah. you learn, you learn about these characters that, that are there and then that takes you everywhere i mean so you meet mr lee who's from china he basically like escaped to avoid being imprisoned and you know it it was all caught up in the politics and um and escapes and then he's now but he was like this very decorated general Mm -hmm. um i think and anyway and him and dimple become really good friends like she makes his his opium pipes and he teaches her or no he teaches her yeah. how to make like how to do it and has all these like ancient opium pipes and um they form this friendship and take care of each other and um she, it gets really sweet and so then you go into like his whole history and like his parents and I don't know I'm probably moving too far ahead no but, like, no I don't think you are though like I love I loved how it took us to this this like background of his story too because so Mr. Lee like runs the den and he like provides the opium to a bunch of people including um dimple and they do have kind of like almost like an apprentice like relationship like where he really cares to teach her and then also kind of like um they they have this bond i would just say they have this bond of like really genuinely caring for each other but i really liked it because it's um it gets a little bit into also, like, I think 
India and that location as um, not just being like a bunch of Indians. Does that make sense? Like, oh, I really, no, I mean, yeah, it, it really, ha- I mean, because it's true, like India is a global, like it's a, it's, and it has been for a very long time. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very much in, and there's so many, I mean, and it brings that up once heroin comes in and they start talking, you know, with the, uh, the Muslims and then like, uh, Kashmir. I mean, and that mm-hmm. shit's still going on mm-hmm. with that fighting with India. And it talks, you know, even about what, where the drugs are coming from and that's all political. Like it's yeah. all just, well, it's, it's very cause it's very, I don't know. I can't think of the right word. I, I think it just points out the, well, it's just how, how much there is, how much, yeah. how important India is and how much it is. And like, uh, the history of it. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Like it, and it's right, told like, in a way that you, you get the seriousness, but it brings it back to the people who are living every day. You know what I mean? Yes. Like not the famous figures, like it, like it's not about Gandhi, you know, right. but it's the people who lived during that time. And I, I love how it brings up like the white Europeans and the white Americans oh that gosh. come over and they're, yes. you know, they're, I love how he talks it. When, well, they're like they're quote, tourists says, coming to the den. Yeah, these shabby, shabby Western travelers with a few, um, or he says, interlopers from the future come to gawk at the poor and unfortunate who lived in a time before antibiotics and television and aeroplanes. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, just he pinpoints all these different people that would come to like be there, especially in those opium dens, and then really gives a nice contrast with people like Mr. Lee and Dimple and Rashid, like the people who are living this every day, like really nice. Well, and also just the, the history of like how, um, the drug for everybody is like their history with it is a little bit different. Like, I think we get this, we get a bit of Dimple's like introduction to the drug and how it like relates to her castration. And, and then also, um, but with Mr. Lee as well, like there's such a great part of the book um, where it's talking about his history back in China and like um, at the time that the country <clears throat> is coming under the control of Chairman Mao and how that affects everything. And it talks about his father and how his father um, was a novelist and it talks about his novels and like he kind of writes these comical books and then as um as the country kind of gets more and more um strict with things especially like what kind of media people are able to consume um and art and arts role you know you get to see like the contrasting beliefs between his parents where his mom is like very revolutionary you know she's very like pro the the working class, like the laborers are the most essential part. And him being a good laborer is like the most important thing to his mother. And then his dad kind of, you know, like resisting in a way. And they, you know, he, he's this author and then he's not allowed to write anymore, basically. And they lose a bunch of income. And then he writes this book called Prophecy, which is, you know, considered to be too dangerous. And so it's like immediately taken off the shelves and burned and destroyed. And his dad, you know, dies because he has an opioid addiction. He smokes opium 
and like sets the house and like his own bed on fire and he's like emaciated and they but they find out that he didn't actually die because of burning the place down with his pipes and like by smoking it he burned it down after he'd already died from being emaciated and malnutrition like from malnutrition mm-hmm. and um I just like, like like I loved that part and I loved that history of like what what does opium mean to Mr. Lee and like what role did it have in his life before he then became a user, you know, and um, what did it mean for his parent, his parents, and then also like how that wasn't actually necessarily the issue at hand, but it was like a part of a larger issue that was going on in the family. I just thought that was really interesting. Well, and if you liked, like if you liked Mr. Lee's story, like it really, it it brought back to me like two novels I read recently that were kind of along that same boat of people living in China and being like, and basically how the government, especially when it was people who were artists or like a certain groups of people were then, you know, targeted. Um, it was life and death in Shanghai by Nin Cheng. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really great. So if you're like that, that viewpoint is one that was a little bit newer to me, like learning about that. Yeah. And then Ai Weiwei, uh, his memoir, a thousand years of joys and sorrow. He's a modern artist and he was held by the Chinese authority and his dad was like into like internment camps and all of that. And so, it's really that part of it's interesting. He just kind of touches on that in Mr. Lee's like portion of it, but it made me think of all that and just like, just all this global connectedness of this kind of like shit. And it's just frustrating and like sad. And I think he does such a good job of really letting you get the idea of what, what those like, you know, the people who are looking at this big picture like how it actually genuinely affects people living it yeah. every day. Like yeah. he, like just how you feel about the characters and like getting to understand their whys and kind of their day-to-day lives. And, and none of it's like, it's not this crazy, like they're all doing crazy stuff all the time, right? right. Like they're just living their lives, like, and their lives are really hard, a lot of them. And like, but it's not this, it didn't feel gratuitous. No. Like, you know, yeah. how we've talked about some of our books lately. Like sometimes I think when you, I don't know, I've read some things when it's talking about drug use and it almost comes across as a little like gratuitous, if that makes sense. Well, it, it's almost, sometimes I think that um, books and movies about poverty sometimes and drug use, sometimes I think it's like, they're trying to belabor the point. There's like, there, so there's this term called, um, it's not directly related to drug use, but there's this term I've, I've heard thrown around called poverty porn. And it's mm. um, when movies or like even just like music videos um, go to a point where they're trying to be so like conscientious about like, poverty in the world that they're actually exploiting it at the same time. So like there was like this um, rapper who did a bunch of music videos and the music videos were just like filming um, poor people in countries that had been devastated recently by 
like a some natural disaster. I can't remember which one. It may have been like Haiti after their big um, the earthquake earthquake. And but it was interesting because the song had like nothing to do with it, right? So it's like, why did you do this? Like, are you you're trying so hard almost to be like bringing attention to it, but your art actually had nothing to do with it. And then, like, were these people paid? that you like are filming and like exploiting in these videos and like, what are you actively actually doing to help remedy the situation? Or are you just trying to like prove a point? I think about it sometimes when I think about, um, this might sound silly, but like, it's the same thing with like, I think those TV commercials where they ask for donations and, oh yeah, and then Sarah Sarah McLaughlin, like yes, the, the one with the puppies. Yes. Oh God, like I can't, the, the I can't with even the watch puppies, that. Or like they're asking for money for like kids in Africa, which is a noble cause. But like, if they need food, obviously we want to feed the world. But like, then they just like have these emaciated children on the screen, and it's just like this is not. It's it's further, I think, exploitation in a way. Yeah. In no, the, I, I totally see what you're saying. In the same sense that like, you wouldn't want to show everybody. Like if you were sexually exploited, for example, you wouldn't need to prove, you shouldn't need to prove that you were exploited, like exploited by showing everybody pictures of you being exploited. Does that make sense? Like, of uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> obviously like that's just exploiting you again. So I think that um, I really liked this book because it didn't feel like that in this in the way that you said that it's not it's not gratuitous. Yeah, no. It didn't feel exploitative. It felt like nope. it was just real and it felt like it was honest. And there was also so much like genuine, I think, love um, between yes. these characters, some of these characters anyway, Um that I just, I really, really liked it. Like, the connection that Mr. Lee and Dimple had, especially, and how he kind of, you know, he dies in a foreign country as, like, kind of like a refugee in that country, in a way, um, after escaping China. And he's relying on this, this person to care for him and to care for his body and his belongings when he dies, which, you know, he does. And that's, that's like a huge responsibility and that, that would take such a huge connection. And then I think also like the seriousness that she takes that with, you know, like even in all of the stuff that she's going through from being like a prostitute and being an addict um, and being in this world, you know, I think that Dimple takes that responsibility of being like the person to care for him at the end, like really seriously. I think I think it was such a nice um, reflection of people caring about other people, and I think that's a misconception as well. That like, if you're an addict, like but you only care about you yourself. You can't like you only care about yourself, and yeah, exactly. And I think that it really shows, like you know, there. <laughs> it just it helps connect. I think because of course they care about other people. Like, and it's just shown in such a nice, like way. It's like a good reminder. Like these are all people, you know, Mm -hmm. I really think he does it. Like you said, without being exploitive, like it's just, it was a very, and I just, 
it's, and I think the language sometimes like in this kind of, these kind of novels can be not, not intimidating, but like off putting, like, because I think they require, it requires a little bit of like almost working to not work. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I have to work to not work to analyze it in a certain way. I need to just kind of read and flow and yeah. absorb it. And that's for me, that's, that takes a little bit of work. And I think that's part of why I really like these novels is because then once I do that, it's very freeing, like yeah, for to, sure. to absorb it versus being like, okay, I'm analyzing it to understand it. And like, I want to get all of the pieces of it. Right. Like I want to get it all. And so yeah. sometimes like you have to let go of that a little bit in reading these novels and then that's where you get it. So I think, that that novel was definitely like that for me. That's kind of how I like felt. Really... That's kind of how I felt about Nightwood too. Of like mm-hmm. um, when we read that one a while ago, it felt like the way that that book was written was also just kind of like weird, and it was more about like the environment that that like language and that writing kind of puts you in. That like it would make less yeah. sense if you were actually trying to like think about what every sentence means and like trying to follow it in a really literally way. Like I feel like yes. this, mm-hmm. that doesn't really work with this one either, especially because like you said, this is kind of like retro, like actively, well not retroactively, but it's like being written about in the future in a way, but it also doesn't feel like it's that much in the future. But then you get all these like snippets of like, um, like when it talks about uh, Dimple and how she eventually dies of the same disease that Mr. Lee dies of. And like yeah. that kind of just comes out of nowhere. But yes, you have to be able to roll with the punches like, yeah. oh, OK, now we're in a, a memory of Mr. Lee. OK, well, now we're back to the future. And now, OK, now yes. we're back where we were before. And now this person has had a son. Oh, OK. Yeah. Like you just got to catch up. Like yeah. it's. But you, I like it because you. That's hard for me to do. I want to like have it all laid out and understand exactly what's going on at all times, and I have to be able to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I it, I get it. Like it connects yeah. and and be like able to roll with it. And I think it's it makes it very because there's not much of a plot, and so that I think is what is another way that it really moves things along like yeah. you're just kind of constantly going down this like trip <laughs> like to be punny about it but no it does like, it is trippy though it is like it does feel a little bit that I the way that I'm reading this is the way that somebody on drugs might be thinking about these things and um I loved it like I just I think it is so interesting it's so new for me to read about because I've never read anything like this before that it's I so have like talking fun. to you about this because I feel like as you've talked about it more, it seems like you like it more. Yes. I mean, like, I will say, like, like when I started talking about it, like, it, it's kind of overwhelming a little bit just by all of everything that's going on. Like, it's, I mean, it's, like, these are, it's funny because I wouldn't say that this book is, like, overly serious because I think this book has a lot of comedy in it, too. Like, oh yeah, like great, these com- these great characters, great lines, great yeah, like, like it's ban- bantering and interactions. Exactly. Yeah. And but I will say that it's like the way that it's written, and then also, I mean, these are characters I've never seen before, so it felt like entering like another world. So it's the same kind of um, like 
overwhelming that Wonderland would be, but you still want to go there, you know, like it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so good. And it, I just, not to be nerdy about it, but that's part of what I love about books and then talking about them is because I've had, you know, there's, I've, I think I've talked about it before. Like sometimes in talking about the books, I either even like them more or it's interesting to see your feelings change as you talk about it. Like that's one of the great things about art, right? Is having conversations about it and like learning from each other. Um, heaven forbid we talk about things in school, like books, um, that maybe people have Mm -hmm. things to talk about. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine this book being like, I mean, I'm sure somebody has tried, but like teaching this book to like a high school class and how interesting that would be. Um, and I hope, I'm sure a lot of people would be up in war, like, in arms about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, I just... Which is ridiculous to think. I'm yeah. like, no, that's silly. That wouldn't happen. I'm like, no. Now thinking about what they have been, all like, yeah, of course. No, of course they would be. They <laughs> would. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. They would... This book would be... I mean, it, again, it probably already has been. Um, but they would 100% people would try to ban this book. For the drug use alone. However, it, it was he was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize. So oh, he, yeah. he was recognized. Well, but quality of course, that books should be get banned. banned by schools yeah. all the time. This is true. So Some of the best ones, actually. Ugh. Most of the best ones get banned by schools. Because Well, this is what's so funny. We're going to ban you, but like but we'll honor experts you with, of all. With awards everyone, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That just like makes me mad. But no, I mean, I think even just the way, like Dimple as a character to me is, I think, so revolutionary of a character. Like, I just have never read anything like this. I think it also brings into like so many questions, like gender, you know, like it's so interesting that this was a boy who was mutilated and is a girl, like is treated like a girl, is a girl but is also fetishized. Like, I think that that's really interesting the way that, um, she's talked about by people who come to use her, like Xavier, who's an artist, um, who's talked about in the book and he goes to the opium den with the narrator. And then he ends up going to the brothel to Mm -hmm. be with Dimple and Dimple I mean, there like there are some descriptions there where Dimple says that she um, felt like he was the devil, like she got bad feelings about this person. Yeah, and he just takes his time, you know, talking to. I can't remember the the word for she it. Sa- it says Dimple kept her word when she said she would not speak of what had happened. But she did not forget the man with the pop eyes whose bloody gums and whiskey sweat gave her the superstitious feeling that a devil had entered the room. Yes. I mean, and also, how beautiful is that? Like, I love the prose. Love, love, love it. It's so, it's so good. But then, like, the scene, too, that, like, I think is so harrowing is the way that Xavier um, goes to speak with her. Again, I cannot, the tie the tie the, or the tay t-a-i um the yeah, person who's the, like basically in charge the madam of, yeah the madam of the brothel yeah, like what we would call the madam yeah um and he goes and says like oh he says he said the tie should invest in a new surgical procedure called silicone which 
with which she could fashion a new breed of randi with big breasts and a show penis. For such a randi, she could double the regular price or even triple it. She would recoup her investment in the space of two months, if not less, and from then on, it would be pure profit. Ty was no longer laughing, or she was laughing too softly to be heard. More likely, she was listening very carefully and would probably repeat the whole story to the Seth, the owner of the brothel and the Randais. Dimple lay on the cot, taking as little space as possible and trying not to fall asleep, but it was late and she was tired. So, like, also just this, like, very casual way that um, she is being fetishized and then also the very casual conversations about fetishizing, about, like, mutilating Uh people and it's just insane. And how how she's a commodity. She's a commodity um, that she, oh, like, she talks about it later, about how they charge more for her and how her clients tend to be those who are um, very curious, also homophobic, don't want to admit that they have any attraction to men so that they, they feel more comfortable about the fact that she's a eunuch. Um, they like usually only last minutes and that it's to fix a curiosity and then they like move on to the next thing, but that she, her Mm -hmm. price is like higher because of, of that, because it's a fetish and because it's like a, an unusual commodity. Yeah. And I just thought that was, I mean, it's sick. It's like, it's so wrong that that's like a thing, but the way that it's talked about in this book is very interesting and like important. Um, but yeah, I just, this, I love Dimple. I will fight for Dimple. I love Dimple. Dimple is like one of my favorite literary characters at this point. Like I just love her. Right? I love, her. I love Dimple. <laughs> I know it just gets better. I really, really enjoyed it too. And it's been fun talking about it. I really, um, this was a really f- great read and i and if you you sadie or anyone who's listening like really liked this you really should check out dennis johnson for sure any of his stuff um william s burroughs i mean there's a whole host maybe we can put some up on instagram because this really is an interesting kind of like sub genre Mm -hmm. and but this like jeet thayil's is like uh, like up there so so good yeah like really liked it and i I started listening to some of his music like today he's a musician too so like i just i searched for him on title um, really cool. And I want to get some of his poetry. So this was like, I was excited to find this author too. So, well, I'm so glad you picked those. I can't wait to talk about the rest of it with you. Yeah. So this was books one and two. So we'll be discussing books three onward, um, at, at our next episode. So you still have time to go pick up if you haven't read it or haven't finished it, get it finished, get it read. Cause it's totally worth it. Really good. And I don't think it was, I mean, I, I don't know. I seem to read really fast, but I went through it pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Once I like actually sat down to, to do it, it's pretty, pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys, if you did read it, you enjoyed it and enjoyed the discussion. It was so nice to be able to sit here and like have a drink and yes. discuss literature and books. Um, so we really appreciate having this like venue to do it. So yeah. thank you guys for listening. Cause it's very fun for us. Yeah. Uh, so thanks. All right. So, well, anything else? Or are we good? We wrapping um, up? Um, I think we'll wrap up. But just a reminder that our next book will be "The Mothers" by Britt Bennett. So, get your thank copy. you for the reminder. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.